0: Log Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors Sit back, relax, and listen to tonight's show. Let's join our host, Ted Odorico, as he introduces tonight's special guest.
1: All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for for this evening. Uh, We're going to be joined momentarily by my uh, special guest this evening, but I just have a couple of announcements I want to remind everybody from last week. Um, Obviously, we're on a, a light schedule for another week or so, and then beginning March 7th, we'll be kicking into our full broadcast, our full two-hour broadcast, in fact, uh, beginning with the Coach's Corner segment, and that's going to take place on March the 7th. So you want to stick around for that, where we're bringing back uh, our panelists again this season, and a uh, favorite part of the broadcast. And then a little bit later on, obviously, in the second half of the broadcast, will be our special interview guest. So it'll be a two-hour broadcast tonight. It's only going to be an hour um, and uh, next week will be the same. And then we'll kick into the full schedule uh, on March the 7th. Also, uh, the week following more, March 14th, excuse me, uh, we'll be adding uh, on the second t- uh, Thursday, excuse me, and the fourth Thursday of each month. Uh, I'm going to be introducing a new travel segment uh, sponsored by golfbreaks.com. They're a trusted leader in golf travel. And uh, as they say, why book with anyone else? They're going to be coming on. I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Robert uh, Kaufman. He is the uh, travel editor for Golf Tips Magazine and many other publications as well. Um, He's going to be joining me, and we're going to have a a group of other special guests throughout the season. They'll be joining us on the travel segment, talking about uh, some favorite buddy trips and some other things as well about uh, golf travel here in the United States and abroad. So we'll have a lot of great things to talk about, and uh, so stay tuned for that. That begins on March the 14th will be the kickoff. Uh, for that and again sponsored by golfbreaks.com all right uh, i'm very excited to have tonight's guest uh she is joining me uh, here and she's the co-founder and ceo of ziggit she is um, a 30 plus year business uh, has been centered around rewriting rules and taking risks and uh, her latest venture ziggit is no exception Uh, ziggit is a uh, patent pending mobile app enabled retail uh, sas uh, platform that allows for easy convenient and profitable self-serving uh, of controlled products at Ziggit-enabled dispensing stations across very uh, various venues, including golf courses, uh, sports, and entertainment events. So uh, please welcome my very special guest, the CEO and co-founder of Ziggit, Elsbeth uh, Hurry. Thank you. Elsbeth, thank you very much for joining me this evening.
2: Yes, thank you for having me.
1: I appreciate it, and uh, my apologies, uh, <laughs> we were just uh, talking a moment off air and obviously there was some issues dialing in uh, and uh, I'm not sure if it's as a result of uh, the problems uh, earlier today with some of the cellular towers and that around the U S but it seems to have disturbed uh, some of the phone lines and whatnot, but uh, here we are. And I'm glad you were able to join me tonight. So I wanted to start off our discussion a little bit. I found um, as I was preparing for this evening, uh, I found some of the notes very interesting and one of the things I wanted get you to talk about before we get into uh, your actual uh, business is you have sort of a love, if you will, um, for disruptive businesses. Talk about that a little bit. I found that very intriguing.
2: Yeah, well, I've always always been drawn to disruptive businesses and and ideas that kind of push for positive change or, you know, a positive change to the status quo. Sometimes status quo is the right way to go, but anything that can improve on that. I also love – emerging markets it's just been something that has been a passion of mine for a long time. And I think um, this really, it's all around helping inspired ideas, people and businesses succeed. I guess that's kind of my biggest driver or passion. So I believe finding innovative and collaborative ways to ensure everybody wins is more of a sustainable approach to business. And I think that's what really draws me into disruptive new tech. Because, again, it, it tends to provide uh, benefits for everybody that's involved.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I agree. I think it's always, you know, in golf we always try to find, um, you know, something to sort of move the needle forward to make it more accessible, as an example, or just to make it more fun. And uh, so mm-hmm. there's always, you know, I just recently came back a few weeks back uh, from the uh, PJ Merchandising Show, which I believe um, you guys were there as well, or certainly you were. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of great products, obviously, to help do just that. And so it's always interesting when you see technologies are coming out and how they're, uh, you know, trying to make changes um, in our industry as, as in other industries. And I also found something interesting. I want to get you to respond on this because it, it's so true, the statement. But society's demand for sort of immediate gratification has kind of been in the forefront. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you mean by that and how you're trying to fulfill, I guess, that need with what you're doing.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think over time, especially in the U.S., but also in other countries, I've lived in Asia and other places, the need for immediate gratification is is only grown. And what I mean by that Mm. is that people want things quickly and efficiently, whether it's your coffee in the morning, or the convenience of online purchasing, obviously that's blown up, or even your favorite entertainment experiences. And I think that this demand has significantly influenced and changed consumer behavior across a lot of industries, and hospitality and retail in particular. So, for instance, I lived in Asia back in the early 2000s, and everything was delivered, everything. Um, And that wasn't a thing in the U.S., but now it's, it's become commonplace. Right. And I think that, again, is yep. all about the ease and the need to have it when you want it. So I know I know my kids are addicted to to Amazon and if they can't get what they want the next day, they actually get disgruntled. They're so used to having it whenever they want it. Right. So as a right. to Zigit, you know, Zigit, I think, is, as you mentioned, it's a, a new app enabled SaaS form. But really what it does is it makes it easy for golf courses to sell and golfers to buy you know, ice cold, canned or bottled alcoholic beverages in less than 30 seconds. And as you think about golf, that is the on-course convenience of, you know, getting refreshments when you want it without necessarily having to wait for a beverage cart or to be at the turn.
3: Right. Right.
2: So it it seems like it's time for a little bit more of this automation.
1: Yeah, and and that's a great really a, a great service to for for a, particularly for a golf course and and even more importantly resorts to have uh, available gotcha. to their to their clients because uh, and again not to you know break from tradition I mean obviously the the famous cart girls that have worked uh, for for many years okay. at, at golf courses uh, have been a staple but at the same time you might not hit them at the right spot and if you're looking for that uh, sort of refreshment or they're not you know driving by in the golf cart. Uh, Or maybe sometimes they've run out of certain things. um, It's nice to to be able to have something available. And and again, going back to the sort of immediate gratification, people, Mm -hmm. you know, even my generation. I'm obviously not millennial or Gen Z. I'm a little above that. Um, But you know, even I enjoy now being able to to get things at a faster pace than what we once did. So you've obviously seen a growth for that automated sort of retail experience. When did you first come up with the idea? Um, obviously, you know, automation has been around for a while, and obviously uh, this type of system, but now it's available. Explain how the process works. It's not as um, – it, it's simple once you understand it, but people maybe need, need to get a better view of actually how everything works.
2: Yeah, sure. So I'll start with the first part of that, kind of how did the idea come about. And um, I worked in medtech uh, for over 25 years, but my husband – who is also a co-founder, James Diggett with me, um, he is, I would call him a perpetual ideator. So he, at any given time, holds at least 20 provisional patents. He, he sees the obvious sometimes, and he's good at solving unmet needs. He's also an avid lover of golf. Um, and for him, you know, he basically identified that there would be a much easier way to be able to create a self-service mechanism using facial biometrics, and other verification methods that already exist if you look at CLEAR and others today. But how do you wrap that into a package that allows for, uh, you know, a compliant and secure delivery system in a wide variety of places? So the whole premise was being able to get what you want when and where you want it. So, you know, not to be uh, basically conditioned to just be in a place where you can build some huge capital um, facility or anything like that. So he actually went through his provisional patents uh, and the patent primary patent claims that we have that are unique to us is around the ability to use an app-based system to determine somebody's eligibility to buy or receive a controlled item um, that mar- marries up with hardware. Um, It can be almost any type of hardware. We're not a hardware company, so we work with a wide variety. But basically, Mm -hmm. the app, when you first download the app, you have to scan in your ID. It also allows you to scan your face compared to the ID. After it's verified, it's an authentic ID. A face hash is basically put on your phone at that point, which is then used later whenever you want to buy something. So it's a one-time enrollment. takes about 90 seconds. And then after that, anytime you go to any Ziggit-enabled hardware or a, or a dispensing station, you scan the QR code. It pops up within the, in the station. You select what you want. It uh, processes a payment. It validates that you're eligible with a quick selfie, and it dispenses. So that process to buy something actually only takes about 30 seconds. And um, we actually started in American Airlines Center down in Dallas with the stars and the Mavs, and it was, we did that um, September of 2022, so we're in our second season there, but then last May, we went to the Wells Fargo Championship in Charlotte, and the response was, was excellent, you know, it's such a great use mm-hmm. case, both on golf courses, and certainly at golf tournaments, where there's really long lines, just to get a beverage, right. That kind of had us thinking about, you know, we love golf, and this is really a niche where golf, it hasn't been addressed, and this is an opportunity for for golf. So now we're focused about 80% of our of our resources are focused on golf.
1: Yeah, and and I mentioned the PGA show, and we'll get to that in just a moment because you <laughs> obviously had a debut there and, and talked about yep. um, what, it is, what it is you do, and I want to get your feedback on that. You know, you, you kind of answered one of the questions I was going to ask you um, because I, I, I didn't mention everything in the beginning because I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about it. but um, sure. obviously incorporated is the facial recognition, and that's important obviously because mm-hmm. you want to make sure that the individuals that are partaking, especially in in the uh, alcoholic uh, side of things, you want to make sure that they're mm-hmm. of proper age. So obviously, there, once you've done the initial setup. Um, you mm-hmm. still have to have that recognition, though. So I couldn't just hand my phone off to somebody that wasn't of age and let them use it because they would have to be able to, um, in order to access it, you have to take the selfie so that it does the facial recognition. Correct? Do I understand you correct?
3: Yeah,
2: that's right. And we did. We actually went with an app-based system intentionally. Um, one, we wanted to be able to work with almost any any variety of hardware, depending on the specific need for a course or for a stadium or, or other things. And as it relates to privacy, we take privacy very seriously. And what this does is it prevents your private information from going to a piece of hardware. So the scheme happens through your phone. And basically you're hanging on to the majority of your biometric information. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that uh, facial, I'm I'm calling it a template, but uh, that stores, and that is what's compared every time you buy a drink. So like you said, um, it is a requirement that everybody that wants to get a drink will have to use their own phone, their own face template, basically. You can't have two people use the same.
1: Now, can you have, um, and and, and this is obviously an obvious question, but if you're making a purchase and let's say you're Mm -hmm. using your phone, you're the one that's doing it, are there limitations in there? Like, for instance, a, a runaround where you could, let's say, buy three or four and just distribute them. Is there a limit? How does the system know? You know, for instance, you get somebody that goes to the golf course, they're spending there, and, you know, they buy seven refreshments in, you know, an hour uh, or 30 yeah. minutes. Is there any sort of safeguard in there? Because obviously there's obviously issues, liability issues, where somebody, and again, I know it's uh, on a personal level, but at the same time, how did you yeah. – did you find a way to work around that? And if so, uh, we'd love to hear it.
2: Yeah. I mean, basically, our platform specializes in controls. So – and it's location-specific controls. So we don't actually sell any alcohol. The retailer that already has an alcohol license sells from their location. Right. So based off what they want to do at their course, they can set up any number of different controls. So, you can do things from, um, you know, two drinks per transaction to two drinks per hour to no more than five drinks in a day. You can do, if you're doing a tournament, you can assign, you know, two drink credits to each person that signed up for the tournament instead of handing out tickets. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do depending on what's, you know, what's most important to you. There's ways for attendance or people there at the course to override as well and, you know, block people buying if they want to um in the situation where and obviously in golf this can happen you've got you know you're buying for other people if that's the case you can you can still be limited by how many you buy, but the way that uh the system will allow that to work is you can't use the phone can't be used by anybody else, but you could load somebody else's credit card onto your app gotcha. temporarily you to do so you know that is a
1: individual decision right right yeah and and the the reason why i asked that is you know just recently we had on the pga tour of course they have their annual waste management tournament and i'm sure if you watch (laughs) the news they had some unruly uh visitors i mean it's always a little bit unruly but this year particularly Mm -hmm. it, it got escalated so that's why i was wondering if there are some so it sounds like obviously there are a lot of safeguards and obviously it's up to the individual venue what they want to, um, uh, you know, sort of put forth, and I think that's great because, you know, again, yes. it's like anything—you're you, going to get people that are are going to take advantage of certain things. So I like the fact that the um, facility or venue has the option of of making sure that there's, you know, sort of safe, what I would call safety features built in, can do yes. to avoid situations like that. So I, I like that a lot. Yes. Um, we live
2: in yeah, Phoenix. Not- and I actually live here, and we've actually we've been in contact with the Waste Management and the Thunderbirds Group, and we've also been in contact with other tour operators, and one of the things that we are currently adding into the platform is the ability not only for our boxes to control uh, how many people can buy, but also to be a front-end KYC kind of portal to the other concession stands as well, meaning oh. before they buy at another concession stand, they can track what everything somebody drinks across any part of that tournament at any time
3: um, and be able yeah. to
2: do that best. So that is something that I think will be quite valuable for tours and, and different sorts of uh, settings. Like you said, uh, to make sure that they're yeah, possibly... I mean,
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously we, and again, from a liability standpoint, obviously the venues have to take uh, charge of that. Um, that, as you pointed out, is really not, uh, you know, once you sort of hand it off, it's up to them what safeguards they want to put in place. But I, I just wanted to bring that up because obviously that is something that they have to look at, you know, in this day and age, you have to be careful of, of everything that we do. And, and you want to make sure that uh, certainly you want the fans and, and the patrons to have a good time, but at the same time, you want to have some kind of a safeguard. So I like that you guys uh, obviously thought ahead and decided to, uh, to incorporate that into to making it a much more uh, pleasurable experience. So I mentioned, yeah. um, obviously, go- golf was your, your primary market, and you mm-hmm. guys uh, debuted at the PGA show. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Did you actually have a physical presence at the um, yeah. at the show?
2: Yep, we had a booth. Um, we were right across from the NGCOA uh, in that section of the, of the hall. It was my first PGA show experience, and it was fantastic. There were so many people there. And what I loved about it was just uh, such a wide range of products and exhibitors and, and just a huge, huge, fantastic show. So we had a great time there. Uh, We did bring a dispensing station. Uh, We didn't dispense alcohol at the show, unfortunately for people coming by, but we did dispense uh, canned water, right? So people could Mm -hmm. understand the experience of it, but um, yeah, it was great. And the outcome of that for us has been really favorable as well because we're in discussions with about fifteen to twenty courses right now and trying to plan out kind of the best way to to manage those launches uh, over the next you know two to two to four months
1: and, and obviously your your target market here is you know golf course owners operators, that sort of thing um, uh-huh you've obviously had conversations with them. What's been some of the response? I mean, obviously you've had some, um, you know, product out there, if you will, or not, uh, I shouldn't say product, but you've obviously had exposure to uh, a mm-hmm. few places already. Um, what's been some of the feedback uh, from them? And um, is there other things that they're looking for to expand what they're doing, not just bringing in more, um, you know, um, uh, of the sort of ends, if you will, but uh, is there other things that they're, asking if you can expand it besides just uh, cold refreshment. Is there other services that they're looking to see? Is that something that you're considering down the road? So what's been some of the feedback first off from some of the owners, yep. operators of the courses you're working with and yep. what other things are you guys considering about uh, maybe adding to um, the, the service?
2: Yeah. Well, one thing I think for myself, you know, we had a preconceived notion of what the target, Type of course would look like, and I think we were completely—I'm not going to say wrong, but I think we were—you know—we we weren't seeing the full picture. And so, what was surprising out of the PGA show was the number of member-only private courses that are quite interested in this. You can customize mm-hmm. a dispensing station with your crest, your logo. You can make it look however you want. So it it can be done in a way that even for a private course, you know, they like the way it can look and feel. And one of the things that um, One of the things that popped up, besides obvious things like, you know, enhancing member pay, right, because they have an honor Mm. system at a lot of these courses, they like the idea of less liability and better compliance without an honor system. This is like a controlled grab-and-go, if you want to think of it that way. Um, But the ability to continue to do member charges, they uh, like the idea of setting up a virtual box at the turn, That technology is out there today where you can pre-order food from the turn, but you can do it through the app as well if you want to have it an all-in-one place, just like you could with a pre-order function. We've added that as well where if you're in a golf cart and you want to pre-order while you're at five before you get to a dispensing station at six, then you can go and just scan it and selfie, and you don't even have to decide what you want. It's already taken care of. So there's been a lot of those things. I think there's a lot of opportunities right now talking to the golf courses, as it relates to tournament beverage management. Um, and we've also added a feature that allows you to have non-alcoholic beverages without enrollment. So, you know, if there's a right. uh, who isn't drinking and they don't want to have to fully enroll because they don't plan to buy alcohol, then you can just quickly buy it um, without any of the extra setup time, basically.
1: So let me just go back a little bit. something that you said I I wanted to uh, follow up on. You talked about if somebody wanted to go on there and I guess best way to describe it would be pre-order. So let's say they want it to have it for six o'clock and they're going on their app and they're uh, saying, okay, I'm going to be at this such and such, and I want to have it for uh, six and it's now maybe five Um, Mm o'clock. Obviously the system, the app, in in other words, when I say system, the app obviously is going to communicate with it and say, okay, I want, three of this, and Mm -hmm. so if it's out of that particular thing, it then notifies and say we we don't have that available, or do they see that automatically on a a drop-down list or what have you in the app already? Does it tell them what's currently available in that machine ahead of time, or do they have to make an order, and then it comes – okay, so they see it up up front then.
2: Yeah, so basically with the pre-order, it's actually a pre-buy function that we've added because that's what the courses wanted. Um, you can scan a box and it can pull up a menu or you can go to the location tab on the app, find, you know, the box that you want at your location or that you're going to go to and also see the menu there. So if you're sitting in a golf cart or waiting on your friend, you can go ahead and figure that out. Since it is pre-buy, you know, if you pick, you know, two high noons or something and you, and it's, you definitely want to have them, you've already bought it. So the, the back office holds it for you because it's already yours. It's just waiting for Got you it. at hole six, right? Got gotcha. you. Um, and so typically that can be, you know, in, in some stadiums where, where they run through things, it can be quite valuable because you don't want to go to the concession stand unless you know what they have and they have what you mm-hmm. want. Um, on a golf course, we haven't really run into that just because these machines hold, you know, 500 drinks. And so oh, once okay. you're – moving, you know, they only have to refill this every, you know, three or four days to a week. It doesn't have to be refilled every day uh, because it can really, you know, hold inventory uh, at a pretty good level. So, um, but it is nice, especially for tournaments. It's particularly good. So if you think about Wells Fargo, so last year at Wells Fargo in Charlotte uh, at that tournament, we had 10 dispensing stations uh, across three locations. This year we're going to have ten locations with over twenty five dispensing stations um, because the success was really good and it was driving incremental sales for them. But even then, if you have a location where there were three or four boxes at tournaments, you have multiple multiple dispensing mm-hmm. stations because of crowd rush, sure. right all coming when right. your favorite golf thing and so in order to deal with that you have about four dispensing stations but even then we would have now it only takes 30 seconds to get a drink but we don't want any waiting time so what of we've course. basically done here is if somebody is the second in line well go ahead and pre-order it because you know what box you're at and then as soon as you're there just pick it up and go and it's really sped up that process which is you know for us seconds matter because it only takes 30 mm-hmm. seconds but hey get it to
1: 25, let's do that, right? Yeah. And, and you want the experience to be, ple- you don't want people getting there and then frustrated because, you know, whatever they've ordered or what have you is not available or they've got to wait a, an extended period of time, then you, you increase the frustration level. So that's great that right. it's a very fast process. I also noticed yeah. too, and I want you maybe just to explain a little bit for those that aren't familiar, because obviously you're more familiar with, uh, you know, the dispensing stations and that, what does it mean when you say it's outdoor rated um, and obviously it only uses sort of regular standard power and doesn't require Wi-Fi? So tell us about that process, how it works.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd say our two big tenants are being convenient and flexible, right, um, in terms mm-hmm. of our controls. And so that goes for hardware as well. So the, the current dispensing stations we're using are indoor-outdoor rated, meaning you can put them in RAIN, they can be out in the elements. Um, they have a very uh, sturdy uh, capability of being in those elements. The only thing they can't be in is standing water. I mean, you're plugging it into an outlet. Right. So
3: sure. uh, So
2: you need a like quarter-inch clearance so that it's not sitting in a pool of water. But other than that, they're good to go. Um, it does need standard power. So typically on golf courses where we've seen people place them, is usually near a restroom. Anywhere you have lights, yep. you have power. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes there's other places of power around the course but that's an obvious um, and they all work I mean the boxes or the stations we, we call them kind of dumb dispensing stations they're not dumb but they're really not thinking for themselves everything is done through the cool. app what I mean is there's no Wi-Fi connection no connection needed for the, for the box itself the phone does mm-hmm. all of the thinking and tells the box through a Bluetooth connection to the box that it gotcha. can go ahead and give
1: you your beer, that sort of thing. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. And because it's Bluetooth enabled, um, mm-hmm. one of the other things that you have, and I'm just curious about this, is there a distance requirement? Like, for instance, if you've got one at the turn, um, does it matter where you are in the course? Is it still going to be able to connect to a, a, a box that's maybe, you know, if you're on, on the, on the uh, let's say you're on the 10th hole and you want to, something when you're coming in that's uh you know on hole let's say 13 um mm-hmm. is there a distance that can affect that that uh, connection or, or no
2: no uh, the connection only happens when you're picking up or when you're dispensing that's the only time you have to be in front of a dispensing station and gotcha. it won't let you from like if you're if you're half a mile away it won't let you just hit dispense and let it go you have to be in front of the box in order for it to dispense but for everything Got else, it. if you think of inventory and making a selection, again, it's all done through the app-based platform, which can be done from anywhere. So, I mean, you could buy your drinks at sure. home before, uh, before you even come to the course if you want to. The only thing that is, uh, you know, position or, or um, geo-fenced and located is when you're actually dispensing because it wants to know that okay. the person that has been authenticated is right in front of the box. And it will only so allow how does one the,
3: person
2: the box at any given time sorry, via blue. Uh, it will only right, allow obviously. one at any given time. That's
1: right. Got it. Um, so how then does it, if, if you're not actually technically connecting to the box until you're right there mm-hmm. at the dispensing uh, box, how does it then communicate to the app um, if you're, what, what, what the... Um, um, you just mentioned it a few minutes ago, um, mm-hmm. what the inventory is in the box. How does it, like when you're ordering off your app, and let's say you're not actually connected to it yet because you're not there to to dispense mm-hmm. it, how does it send in real time? How is it communicating through the app um, in order yeah. to let it know that when you're going down there, hey, there's, you know, we've only got two of that item left.
2: Yeah. So the, the actual inventory for every box is maintained and managed and basically on a, on a cloud-based environment and a server. Okay. So yep. if I have a box in Phoenix, you could view the inventory if you were the owner of that box from another state, if you wanted to at any okay. given time, from your phone, from a okay. tablet, from a laptop, whatever. So as you buy something through the app, it shows you what the current inventory is or what menu is mm-hmm. available, all the things. And then as you actually dispense, your phone – sends a small message back to our server to say, hey, I just picked it up. And then it decrements it, right? It's gone now. Mm -hmm. So you know at any given time how much is in there. That's also another good feature for operators because you can also set up the system to send you a text or send your F&B manager a text or an email, you know, if one of your slots gets down to whatever you choose, five. You know, there's only five modelos left on on hole six you might want to cruise out there and fill those up later today something like that so you can see all of that at any 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 point in time basically
3: got it
1: well I, that's what i was wondering if it, if it's working through a cloud-based setup which i assumed it was since it was an app but i just mm-hmm. wanted to sort of get clarification because I, I can guarantee you somebody listening to the broadcast is thinking okay well how does it do that and how does it do this right. so uh you've answered right. that very well all right we're gonna we're gonna dip and take a real real quick break and then we're going to come back and continue the conversation. So bear with us, and we'll be right back. All right, we're going to take a a quick break and listen to a message from Golf Tips magazine.
0: The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros. Simple to follow practice and gain improvement drills. Fitness and mental game tips. Equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews. Golf destinations and travel tips for every budget. And so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today.
1: All right, welcome back. I'm here with my very special guest, uh, Elsbeth Hurry. She is the co-founder and CEO of Zigit. Um, we're talking about uh, not only the mobile app, but also uh, the dispensing stations that that work with it as well. And we're talking about some of the ways that um, fans and also um, member guests at their favorite course uh, can partake in refreshments through this uh, technology. and And Elsbeth, I want to ask you uh, a little bit about um, a little bit more about the uh, member guest experiences because this is something you, you found out, as you said, down at the the PGA show that you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, um, that mm-hmm. there were a lot of private courses and things like that. This is obviously a big benefit for them. You talked about some of them. Um, is there? Have they asked you in addition to uh, obviously the liquid refreshments? Is there other refreshments or other Uh, options like food products. Obviously, you can't have heated, but um, is there other things like other snacks that could be incorporated into this as well?
3: Yeah,
2: it is possible. We haven't gone there yet, Um, but there is a whole host of vending technology that already exists out there that could be incorporated, um, and it could all tie into, into one interface, one system. That's not all that difficult. So, we haven't gone there yet. It's really more of a question of what people want and when they want it, and then we could facilitate that.
1: And obviously, as as time goes on, more and more things, you know, between the owner-operators of the courses and obviously their members are going to come together and say, hey, we would love to have this, and or can they do this, and that sort of thing. So obviously that's, that's going to spur some of the um, future development uh, with these dispensing machines and, and the technology as well. Um, and, I think it's very, and, very interesting. Sorry, go ahead.
2: As you look at our technology, you know, what is unique about our patents and our technology is the ability to determine the, the eligibility of somebody for a controlled item, whether that's age-controlled. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, The technology has application across other verticals, and we can talk about that later too. But even things like pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical pickups from lockers and mm-hmm. various other things, which we're really not focused on right now, but we could license the technology out for that. So that's kind of our sweet spot. That being said, we pride ourselves on being collaborative and flexible, and so we would probably be able to work and augment with other existing technologies that are out there to give them the overall experience they're looking for.
1: And obviously, for a couple of reasons, obviously golf is a great market to uh, to really start through, and as you mentioned, your husband, uh, John, I believe, um, mm-hmm. is an avid golfer, so what a great way to – to start in a, in a, an area that he obviously enjoys uh, playing and, and uh, it's certainly a great, uh, yeah, great test market. Um, So yeah, Yeah. I'm sure he's uh, used it many times uh, when he's out playing. So that's a great thing to have. Um, Now you also, we touched on a little bit earlier about um, obviously getting more involved with uh, organizations like the PGA tour and having it at events and other uh, enhanced fan experiences. So is this something that's in the works now? I mean, you you mentioned a couple of the tournaments that you've uh, been involved with and had some uh, exposure to. Do you see this um, growing fairly rapidly in that area in the next uh, maybe a couple of years?
2: definitely. I mean, right now we're in discussions with large uh, large groups within the tour as well as the tour itself. Um, And it's a question of, really thinking through uh, a lot of these tours are managed by different groups. Some of the tours are managed sure. directly. by, a. And so I would say right now we are doing a few tour events and festivals and things this year, this calendar year, 2024. But right now we're really trying to position and get things ready so that next year we can be at, you know, a wide range of tours. So we would have a series of dispensing stations, ideally, um, you know what would fit into one uh, trailer basically uh, that could move from from tournament to tournament, and that would be the most efficient way for us to do it
1: so how does the let 's go back to the dispensing stations for a second. Mm-hmm. I, I think I heard you correctly, and, and by all means obviously correct me if i 'm if i 'm not stating it uh, the right way um, sure. is it is the app only work with um, your dispensing stations or can other um, dispensing stations that maybe they already have, can they be fit with, um, you know, a technology that would allow it to communicate with your app? So let's say a golf course already has um, some dispensing uh, uh, products out on their uh, facility. They like the idea mm-hmm. of what you're offering. Can they be, you know, did um, a retrofit, I guess might be a way to put it. Um, can those machines then be updated to be able to allow your app to be able to use with them? Is that something or are they require to um make a change and, and get it
3: it
2: depends, but well. absolutely I would say standard vending old, you know, standard vending machine technology that's been out there, we can patch into almost any of those NDB boards. So so yes, if somebody already has something, we can update it and add our controller that connects to their controller basically to take control of the machine. And in addition to that, oh, sorry, my dog is trying to get out of the room.
3: Um, That's all right.
2: That, we have, I have five, so I'm a crazy dog person too. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: but in in addition to that, we might make small modifications because the only True. real modification you would need to make if you already had a machine is probably to reface it. You want to take the money changer off. You want to take any buttons off because you don't want any yeah. wafer things to get confusing for the end user. But those are all very easy things to do.
1: Mm-hmm. So it is fun. And obviously, if, I mean, if you've got a really old piece of equipment that maybe isn't using a more updated technology, then obviously that'd be a different uh, you know, uh, consideration. But obviously with, yeah. with some of the newer vending oh, okay. products, you'd be able to do that. So, and, that's good. and the reason yeah. why I ask that is that's good because yeah. from, a, from an owner-operator perspective, you know, if they've already got, let's say they've just recently purchased, uh, you know, some vending uh, dispensaries um, in the last couple mm-hmm. of years, they don't want to have to turn around and now invest again. So um, sure. that, that's a great, yeah, that's a great thing to have. Um, sorry, you were going yeah. to, I heard you talking, so you were going to say something. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, that's okay. Even if it's older technology, I mean, what we might have to do for something like that is replace the controller on the, on the machine itself. And all those things are possible. So there's quite a bit we can do with, with existing hardware, I guess is what I'm saying. At the same time, we don't see ourselves as a hardware company, um, but we will facilitate getting the right hardware for uh, a golf course because we don't want them to have to think about anything. And we are working and we are in discussions with some third-party groups that have access to, like Envision, the Cokes, and the Pepsis of the world as it relates to beverages. Right you know, we're trying to before certainly before the end of the year, we intend to have a third party partner that would be able to to own a big portion of the hardware side of the business just because they have right. the infrastructure and capabilities and scale, honestly, to make that easier for, for the end users and the, the retailers down the road.
1: Yeah, you want to obviously be able to to turn it around relatively quickly from when somebody says, Mm -hmm. hey, we want it in here. And that was going to be my next question. So if you've you've got a golf course, let's say, that wants to move forward, right now, Mm -hmm. obviously, it's a little bit different because you're you're working on those partnerships. But typically, if, if, let's say, at my golf course, I wanted to have this put in and have this available to our uh, patrons, typically, what's the turnaround for you to be able to have this set up for us?
2: Yeah, it depends on availability of what we already have. But usually, right. uh in your case, you're looking at six to eight weeks. Um, again, okay. we're trying to keep that so it's not six to eight weeks, right, by trying mm-hmm. to forecast. And, and typically, sure. you know, it's weeks for them to figure out what they want to do and some of those things and those particulars. Um, but then as it relates to actually placing something, That's another big advantage that we found at the tour. Um, It is very easy. They're they're heavy machines, um, 600 pounds unloaded. But if you just have a, you know, a pallet dolly, basically, or any way to move that around the course on pavement, it's really quite simple to set up. So you set it up, you place it, you make it relatively level, and then it takes about 10 minutes to fill the first time. And then for a tournament, when you're done, you just pick it up and you go while everybody else is still tearing down for days. So it's really quick gotcha. in, really quick, really low maintenance.
3: Right.
1: And it can enhance an already existing thing. You know, as you mentioned, you might have, uh, you know, a, a little booth or something at the turn um, that serves, you know, some hot, hot dogs and other, you know, uh, fixtures that people are used to at the golf course. This can only enhance um, what they've already got. So they don't necessarily have to get rid of anything. They can actually use this to enhance what they already have. So it's a, a, a win-win right. for them.
2: What, a, yeah. what about what reporting found, for oh, – yeah, go ahead. Really quick. Uh, what we found is that, um, especially in stadiums and golf courses and other things, you know, people might go to the clubhouse and they want a sandwich, and so they'll grab a drink too. But then if they're at the driving range and they just want another drink after they've already had their sandwich – you know, they can continue to get drinks. It makes it that much easier. Right. So we found they're quite, quite good in places like driving ranges, around the course, top tracer areas. Um, mm-hmm. All of those places are, are quite beneficial. And in many courses, we're not really there to eliminate the beer cart. That's really not the plan. We're there to right. augment the beer. And so in a lot right. of places, beer service doesn't even start until 11. So some courses have been deciding to try out, you know, Bloody Mary's in the machines. Are those going to go? You know, and we haven't haven't updated to say that that's really a trend, but we have seen it. Um, So there's (laughs) a lot of things that uh, you can try out. And because it's so easy to swap things around as it relates to the inventory and things, you can watch the trends, watch the analytics by area, move things from A to B or or whatever you might need to do to kind of optimize how you're going to increase your sales. And in general, we've seen an uptick in incremental sales, anywhere from 10 to 25%. So if you think about right. Florida, wow. where the average golfer buys 4.8 beers, according to the latest study, um, you know, it it just adds another, you know, half to a whole beer. So you're looking at per person, right? And it's not always just yes. like beers. You know, people want right. water and Gatorade too, and so we strongly suggest to have a few of those things in the machine too, for the people that sure. are just really doing something cold, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's important to have a, a mixture like that. I mean, you, you don't want to just limit it to one, because then it, it sort of because there are some people that maybe you know want to play golf and really want to wait till the 19th hole to have a drink. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm obviously referring to alcoholic. Uh, maybe they just want yeah. a water or Gatorade or something along that line. So yeah, you want to make it available. And and I I think I know the answer to this too, but I'm going to ask it anyways. So obviously the, mm-hmm. it sounds like there's a fairly uh, robust reporting um, with this as mm-hmm. well um, through the system. So obviously the owner operators um, can take a look and see what is popular, see the sale trends, um, see what items are are moving, and and actually also. Um, which machines are doing better than others. So if they want to reposition right. at some point, let's say certain exactly. machines are not performing very well in their location, they can say, well, let's try it over here and see if we get better results. So there, there yeah. gives them a lot of flexibility. So I'm assuming there's a good reporting for that, right?
2: There is. And then the other thing, um, we have real-time reporting, and you can also have automated reports sent to whoever you want um, in different configurations. But the other thing that is truly unique, um, because of what – how we enroll people, we do not share private information. That's just something we don't do because we're very serious about privacy and privacy compliance, but we will share and have no problem sharing anonymized demographic data. So what I mean by that is uh, a retailer finally knows who's doing the buying. What, what sort of demographic are they? You know, is it the Mm -hmm. 21, 30 year olds that are buying? Is it men? Is it women? Uh, is it who's drinking the white claws? You know what? What does that look yep. like? And what that mm-hmm. means is, if you have specific types of events, uh, tournaments, things like that, you can stack your machines specific to what that demographic might like. If you know who's drinking, sure. does elect- oh, allow yeah. a little bit selective in how you're going to manage the the overall b to maximize your, you know, your potential incremental profit.
1: Well, and that's a great. Um feature really if you're hosting a lot of tournaments and i'm talking about maybe corporate events or um you know uh, maybe a women's league or something that wants to play and they have you know um an overwhelming you know favorite refreshments that they like to have i mean they may not want to be you know uh, getting a beer or something but there may be other refreshments that they are more uh, akin to so knowing that that data um again you can stack everything up for, for that event. And then, you know, once that event's done, then you can obviously replenish it with, with you know, other things uh, as you move forward. But, no, I think that's that's great. And I also see, too, that you're, you're either are or looking at that, certainly down the road uh, of getting into organizations like the NBA, NHL, and other sporting events as well. So is that something that is down the road or are you already entertaining that now?
2: Yeah, well, we actually started with, NBA and NHL, so hockey and basketball in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. And Mm -hmm, we learned learned quite a bit. It's a great environment for it. What we found was it is far more, um, it drives more value in hockey games than it does in basketball games. And the reason for Mm -hmm. that is that in games, the, the fans come flooding out when the puck is not on the ice and they have to get back in or they get blocked from going back in. So we right. have big steps in, in, you know, queues and lines that kind of come in waves. And our technology is perfect for that. So, for instance, at mm-hmm. American Airlines Center, you know, we have, we have had an 80% return rate. So once somebody uses it once, they almost always come back. Um, and so it's interesting, the things you learn. People love that it's ice cold. They love that they don't have to tip. They love that they can buy one at a time so that they don't have to Mm -hmm. hold multiple beers, allow them to get cold or warm, excuse me. So some of the things that we found people really loved were interesting, you know, surprising in some respects and not in others. So, yes, we are in arenas, um, but the main reason that we focus in golf, one, anything at this stage that can get us outside on a beautiful course just seems fun. Sure. (laughs) It's going to work pretty easy, I gotta say. So golf is great in that respect, and also if you look at golf, a lot of golf groups. Yes, there's some seasonality, but in the Sun Belt, I mean, golf can be 365 here in Arizona and Florida. Right. And if you arena, you could have 20 football games and a few concerts. Right. So. It's not mm-hmm. an efficient use of, of our time and resources compared to a place that is underserved like golf where we can have an immediate impact with just a you know, handful of boxes in a given course. Um, so, it, again, I think that's one of the primary reasons that drove us to golf and the fact that we've all had the experience. I mean, the beer carts are wonderful, but if you really are thirsty and you want something then, you know, it would be nice to have yeah. that extra option
1: yeah exactly and and you know again to emphasize the point i mean it's great in these other sports and that but again you're limited to you know the number of arenas and things like that where mm-hmm. you know you come to a place like like florida or uh myrtle beach or arizona where you have literally hundreds and hundreds of golf courses so um that's a yeah. huge huge market yeah it, you're not limited to uh you know indoor facilities and things like that and now um with the onslaught of um again, technology places like Top Golf and and other mm-hmm. indoor uh golfing centers that are popping up all over the place for even those areas out of the Sun Belt, you've got even a great market potential there as well because, you know, who wouldn't like if to have something like that handy, right, when you're getting into into a, a, a digital bay.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and a lot of these golf courses in northern states, Michigan and other places um, you know, they're trying to get more year-round by putting in simulator lounges and other things. right? Because they spend their season, and the people want to do things in the winter. They just don't want to do it outside, necessarily. Um, and right. I think what's unique about <laughs> our tech, you know, in an arena, there are other things that we compete against. You know, Amazon has a Just Walk Out store, and it's pretty cool, right? Uh, but it's yeah. millions of dollars of capital. It's a lot of investment. It, that would never make sense on a golf course. You're never gonna spend millions of no. dollars on a golf course you have something that complicated and you don't have the infrastructure. So we really, you know, are wanting to go after the niche where our flexibility and convenience of hardware and some of those things can really, you know, provide a benefit. And we see golf being one of those key areas for us, especially right now.
1: Yeah, and, and we're seeing such great growth. In our sports, um, obviously, you have, um, you know, a, a group of a segment of golfers who have been around for a while and and, you know, continue to play because they enjoy it. But you're seeing essentially an onslaught of new and upcoming golfers, um, you know, the future generations who are very yeah. much more tech savvy. Uh, and this is what they want, as you you know, in the very beginning, we talked about, you know, that immediate gratification. They don't want to stand in yep. long lines. And in fact, I was at Myrtle Beach or not Myrtle Beach, excuse me, Pinehurst last year. And, uh, mm-hmm. there were many groups of young, young, uh, golfers there. And, uh, I can assure you they, they have little patience. <laughs> you know, they want to get their drinks now and they, they want to, you know, get out there and play and enjoy themselves. So, you know, something like this that allows them to do that and get out and have fun. Cause that's really what it, the game is supposed to be about is let's have fun. And, uh, exactly. nobody wants to be spending their time or or potentially lose their spot, you know, out in the golf course because they've got to wait in line and now a group's coming up behind them. So they want to just be able to grab and go. So no, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Where,
2: I think that yeah, where I can, that, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, please go ahead.
2: Um, I was just going to add that, you know, the thing that we've noticed, especially in golf is that the largest segment, and one of the fastest growing segments is the 18 to 34, which is perfect for, and that's both on course and like you said, the top golf sort of realm. Um, but that is a perfect demographic for us. And there's, and you, you know, as you well know, I mean, there's a record number of new players in 2023. And then we see that trend continuing because golf just seems to be moving more to a. You know, it's finally come mainstream. It's, it's what people want to spend right. their time doing in a lifestyle sport. So, um, yeah, we think golf is great for so many reasons.
3: Well,
1: and, and you know, during that, uh, and I've said this many times on the show, you know, we obviously got through this pandemic. And it really opened up a, a whole new market for golf because golf was really one of those few activities that people could do during the pandemic. It was, you know, like that could get out and just get away from, uh, you know, being cooped up inside. And it really right. introduced the sport and a game to people that typically might not have uh, been introduced right. to that. And some of it was through a forced effort of just, hey, I got to get out of the house. I can't stand it anymore. And, and then yeah. there was also a resurgence of people that hadn't played for a while that got back into the game. So you're right. And, and that younger demographic that's coming in is – bring forth a lot of great ideas and one of the things they like is to have that interaction um, through social media, through mobile apps, through those types of things. So yeah, you walked into a perfect timing, uh, the perfect storm, if you will, uh, for the golf industry because that's exactly where it's going. And I know you probably saw a lot of that when you uh, were down at the PGA show and they had a chance to walk around and just seeing yeah. the technology that's coming through. So uh, you guys hit yeah. it right, right on the, the nail on the head, as they say. So how can people find out if they want to learn more about that? Uh, is there a website they can go to learn more? And if they want to uh, download the app and, and actually to be able to yep. enjoy this uh, this uh, setup?
2: Yeah. Uh, the website is www.zigit.app. Um, so .app. And um, there's there's information there and you can also reach out and contact us through that as well. Um and as far as downloading the app, you can download it at home for free. It, it doesn't take much to download it. Um, and we are, you know, adding features to it every day. Um, but typically the way it's used today in most situations is if you're at a course that has Ziggyn-enabled technology, then they usually let you know at the pro shop. You make sure that you're signed up, and then you're good to go for the rest of the day.
1: Is there a way through either the website or through the app? um, Is there a way of finding out participating courses? Does it have that at this point, or is that something that you're maybe working on for down the road so that when I launch that app, Uh, if I'm in it? Sorry, go ahead. We're
2: adding. So we will probably have that within the next month um, on the website and through the app so that you'll be able to go to a location tab instead of having to scan a box. So that's something we're adding currently. So. Okay, and, perfect. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: that's fantastic. Well, Elspeth, thank yeah. you very much for uh, for joining me this evening. A um, lot of great information there. And again, if uh, the folks want to go to zigit.app uh, and that's Z-I-G-I-T.app, um, they can get more information there and learn about uh, some of the great things that you guys are doing with that. And it sounds like you've got a lot of things uh, coming down the road as well uh, to just make it a, a, an all-around better experience for everybody. And and you've got a, the perfect uh, guinea pig, John, there to test out all this new stuff That's up in the correct. golf course. So, <laughs> so you, you've got the perfect, perfect world there. But thank you very much for coming on tonight and uh, glad that we were able to connect. And, and, uh, and, and keep us uh, posted here on the show with, uh, with what's happening as things move uh, progressively. Uh, I want to uh, hear more about that and, uh, and you know, maybe have uh, you and John come back on at a future show and talk about when you have some more exciting news to share with the audience.
2: Yeah, I would love that. I appreciate the, your time, and um, I really, yeah, we, we're really excited to be in golf, and and we're really excited that you invited us to join your podcast here tonight.
1: Well, you're welcome anytime, and, and thank you, and and uh, I apologize for a little bit of the inconvenience in the beginning dialing in, but I think we got that worked out. But, I think uh, that would
2: be, yeah. That has anything to do with
3: you. <laughs> <a> <laughs> no, it.
1: I don't think so. I don't think so either, but I, I always like to apologize anyways. But, Elspeth, thank you very much uh, to both you and to John for coming up with a, a really great business uh, that's uh, certainly going to – is as, as a winner. And um, hopefully if you uh, make it down next season to the PGA show, uh, I'll have an opportunity to stop by and, and say hello. But thank you very much, and you're always welcome to come back. All
2: right. Thank you so much, Ted.
1: All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, tonight's very special guest, uh, Elsbeth Hurry. Uh, She is the co-founder and CEO of Zigit mobile app, uh, which is a SaaS platform. As uh, we mentioned in the beginning, uh, that um, uh, 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 dispensing stations that uh, currently is available at a number of different golf courses and other uh, uh, areas as well uh, at NBA uh, centers and NHL sporting events uh, locations. So, Uh, Keep an eye out for that. And again, if you want to get more information, go to zigit.app. That's www.zigit.app. And it's uh, Z-I-G-I-T.app. Again, thanks to tonight's special guest. And uh, I will see you next week here on Golf Talk Live. Don't forget, again, March 7th uh, will be the reintroduction of the Coach's Corner panel. It'll be the first of the season. I'm excited to have uh, the gang back uh, on that segment. We'll be going to the full two-hour Uh, broadcast beginning on March the 7th, starting off, as I said, with Coach's Corner, and then again, March 14th, uh, uh, the second and the fourth week of each month, um, we will be inserting a special 20-minute travel segment, and I'll be joined by my good friend, uh, Robert Kaufman, the uh, senior travel editor for Golf Tips Magazine, will be joining me, and uh, some favorite guests uh, in the travel industry, so I hope you'll join us for that. On that note, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. God bless, and I will see you next next Thursday right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, everybody.
3: Thanks for joining us.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Ted would like to thank this evening's special guest for joining him on the show. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. You can also listen to Golf Talk Live on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Live, and of course Spotify. Be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, send an email to Ted at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf
3: Sports Network.